Hey everybody, welcome to a new episode of No Ride Around. Uh, we're here at Base Camp Cyclery and uh, Justin seems a little fired up and I'm not entirely certain why because when I left him at about 10.30, everything seemed just fine. <laughs> I haven't even taken my coat off. I'm like still fully, <laughs> I just walked in the door on the phone. I was like, like that guy, you know the guy mm -hmm. who goes up and orders a sandwich on the phone? On the phone. And then he picks up the sandwich on the phone and you're like, you're obviously an ER doctor performing high-level brain surgery in someone's life is in your hands right now, and you're talking someone through it, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like you're doing the how-to customer yeah. support brain surgery. It's unbelievable. And what's up, man? <clears throat> so you've ruined me. I ruined you? Yeah, you and base camp and all these assholes back here with the <laughs> wrenches and all the shit. You guys have ruined me. How do we do that? Well, because ever since I've met you, and then our relationship has evolved to the level it is now, I have been fortunate that I am always on dope new shit. Yep. All the time. Like, hey, what bike do you have? The dope new one. Whatever the cool one is. Okay. And now to my to my benefit, I keep all my dope shit nice. Yeah. Right? Like I'm a mat meticulous cleaner. Very and, much. Yeah. I polish the bike. So my my shit stays nice, but you always keep me on dope shit. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm leaving for Phoenix on uh on Wednesday. For right. Thanksgiving. Right. Uh, when's this going to actually air? This week? It'll. I think it'll go out this week. Okay, perfect. So it needs to go out this week. Two days ago, for those of you listening. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to leave for Phoenix on Wednesday after we do our last turkey donation inferno. All right. Okay? There's a shitstorm snowstorm coming into town like oh, yeah, there tonight. Is. Like right now. Yeah. Okay? I checked the tires on my truck, and I need new tires. They're roached. I, uh, you're supposed to be able to fill George Washington's head, I think, on the uh, quarter. Mm -hmm. And mine, it, even close. Like, if he had a pompadour, it still right. wasn't touching his head. You can't even help out old Lincoln over mm -hmm. there, or mm -hmm. on the penny, right? Not even. Like, I'm in a bad way. <laughs> so I need new tires. Okay? That's like a couple of grand. Mm -hmm. My tags also expire on 1130. Mm -hmm. So I'll be driving back from Phoenix on the 1st. My tags will technically be expired, which means they need to get new tags. It's like 500 bucks. Right. Okay. I also have some outstanding things on the tolls that I want to talk about with my license plate. And I got to clear those all up before I can get the new tags. So you're three grand just to go to I'm three grand just to go. to go have a meal you probably won't eat much of. So much like you've ruined me in the whole bike world, to back that up, what I mean for those of you listening is by the time my bikes need new tires, I just get a new bike. <laughs> and so I'm currently working a deal to trade my truck in and get a brand new truck with big tires on it to save me the headache of the three grand that you spent. Fucking psychopath. On tires that's and ridiculous. So that's the deal that I'm working right now. So I walked in like super on the phone, cool guy, you know, and I'm just trying to keep the exact same payment, but have a brand new, nicer truck with brand new tires and then free temp tags <laughs> so I don't have to deal with all and so. Now, and then when you walked in, your demeanor was that it was something serious. I'm like, and I say to D, I'm like, oh, it seems like he might have like something he has to do for the gym or like this sounds like a serious, this, that's bullshit is what it is. <laughs> it is as serious as it gets. Okay. So the, the best part about the way I do things in life, because there's a lot of bad parts of, about the way that I do things in life, but the best part is when the problem's directly in front of my face, I solve it. 
but only when it's like about to punch me in the face. Yeah, it's it's critical. And so that's this is critical right it now. Is. And so that's that's the thing I'm trying to navigate and accomplish today when like every part of my day is booked right now. So <laughs> I was just telling D also, I was like, you know, like I love Justin, but he's got such a can do attitude that like he just fits his day so jam packed that like that there's no margin for error. No margin for error. The, uh, my dad called me on the way because so my dad's a car dealer, and that's how I can make it look like I get a new car every couple of years. But it's only because through him I get a deal where it's right. always it, it, it never costs me more money, right? right. And uh, he calls me on my way here. And he's like, "Oh, what's going on?" I'm like, "I'm I don't, I'm, I'm 16 minutes late to my next thing that I'm already late for, and you know, try yeah. to do another thing." So I don't. I, I'm irritated, you know, and then I'm honking at people. And, <laughs> It wasn't good. Yeah. Um, well, anyhow, enough of that nonsense. I do love the spending forty G's to save three. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Look at all the money I saved. How many times have you done that with bicycles? I'm not not guilty of that. <laughs> I mean, like, have you even changed brake pads? Just, oh, brakes are roasted. I'm gonna need to get a new bike. <laughs> I do often tell people like they're like, "Well, how's the durability on these tires?" I'm like, "I don't usually have a bike long enough to know." <laughs> and we've just alienated half of the listeners. That's bad. Um, uh, we're here. We're zen. Yeah. So um, we have a cool episode. I think. Um, I don't know what really made me want to do it, um, but before we dive into that, I think we have some fun stuff to. Well, not fun stuff, dude. Somebody tried to break into the fucking shop. Somebody Dude, you sent ran me a video of a guys that have stolen a moving truck and mm-hmm. they're trying to bash a moving truck into the front of your store. Yeah, that was uh, luckily nobody got in. Um, six other shops got hit, I think, um, with varying degrees of success. Uh, that was annoying. Uh, we we're very lucky though. So uh, try again, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> try harder. Yeah. No, really, uh, we need to clear out some inventory. yeah that's that's uh, a bad deal you know um i had i just one of our one of our members at e3 this morning she had her 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 van broken into into. and it's just you know you i just don't i I can't even i will give a homeless guy two dollars before i take pity on these people like if i found somebody doing that i would just i would beat them down yeah well, and that's funny. Um, somebody was like, dude, I'm surprised you're not sleeping in the shop. And I thought about it. I mean, I was this close to, you know, grabbing the 12 gauge and, and sleeping in the shop. And then I played all the various scenarios out. And most of them ended up with me in jail. And so um, I decided that it's just stuff. It's insured. And it's not worth it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so- and they didn't get anything. They didn't because they got the wrong size truck. They'll come back. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, and I think that's the most annoying thing is, you know, this. If you care to look it up, this particular issue has been going on in Denver for about three or four years now. Same, same mo: steal a van, try to back it in through the front of a garage door or whatever, steal a bunch of shit, shit and drive off. Um, and uh, you know, from the day we opened the store we just kind of lived in the not if but when mentality and i think that's what sucks cuz now i know that they now they now we're on the radar yeah right they know your shop they know, they know you're, the shop. you're good to go dude the crazy thing on the six shops that were hit between monday night and tuesday night 
um, very, very targeted. I, you and I haven't really talked about this much. They were all Yeti or Santa Cruz dealers. Yeah. So well. they're going on dealer locators or whatever, you know, a tinfoil hat and all that. But, um, yeah, so that was annoying. If you could only use one bike shop tool or, like, yeah, anything that resides in the bike shop. Mm-hmm. And he's cornered. Mm-hmm. I'm saying him because that was the guy on the camera. Mm-hmm. He's cornered in your shop, mm-hmm. and you get one tool to take a crack at him with. Not for like, don't go down the like, well, it's logistical. If I was mm. trapped on an island, no, I would have no, a potato no. because mm-hmm. that would survive. Mm-mm. What is the one? I already know what it is. What's the instrument? Um, do I have a time frame in which, like, do I have unlimited time with you said person? You can use it however you want. Right, but do I have like five minutes? Do I have a day? Can I just have as long with the person as possible? No, it's gonna be kind of like it. in this moment you get this thing, but they're like they're pinned. They're not gonna fight back. Okay. If I had unlimited time, it would be a torch. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, well, saw saw seven. Um and if I only had a couple of minutes, it would be a hammer. Really? Yeah. I think the threaded <laughs> end of a spoke through their eyeball. No. Is that not it's not a lot of nerves in your eye. I know, but for the rest of your life, you're walking around like a pirate. I'm freaking so people like, out right now, so we're just going to put yeah, it Yeah, that was this. sick and twisted. <laughs> and the fact that we got there, can uh, we cut that out? Yeah, so, no, leave it in. People need to know. So you got stolen into, <laughs> hey, and we're, um, a couple other, we had a couple other bits of news. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we got into Big Sugar in Arkansas. That oh. was kind of surprising. Well, not surprising because we were kind of like nerds on the button here. Yeah. But of um, the five of us that tried, only three of us succeeded. Yeah, no. So Big Sugar, for those of you that aren't familiar, is an inaugural race event owned by Lifetime, who also bought Dirty Kanza. And so in Leadville. In Leadville and all the things. But the reason I bring up that they bought Dirty Kanza is that gravel racing is becoming more and more popular. I think it's like the fastest growing segment of racing right yeah, now. Yeah, it's crazy. For a couple of reasons. Anyone can really do it because it's not crazy technical. Yeah. Um, and the bikes aren't super expensive to get so and it's we, super fun yeah i mean it's way fun but there's just like it's a pretty easy barrier to yeah entry. yeah and, zero uh, to one on that one's pretty easy big sugar is going to be a hundred mile gravel grinder outside of bentonville which yeah. we gave love dude, at dude super excited one. to go and uh and you myself and colin we all got in mm-hmm. and uh we're gonna go out there and roll 100 miles of gravel next october yeah dude uh, and that was tying into our previous episode of uh you know planning for 2020 and how right. do you wrap your head around an event a year away. I'm so excited for next October. Like, <laughs> well, it, it, so what it did for me, I haven't like fully fallen in love with my, like the gravel bike thing. Mm-hmm. Cause there's a couple of things you need to understand. Every time I'm on my road bike, if there's any ride under a 20 mile an hour average fail period, like mm-hmm. I don't care if I did 20 miles or a hundred miles, like I should hold a 20 mile an hour average. That's just a line for me. And on a gravel bike and on gravel rides, especially when you're riding on gravel, it's you can't you just kind of can't do that, you know. I mean, you can. You're going to murder yourself. Yeah, it's hard. But you're riding mountain bike trails at times. You're riding deep gravel, steep climbs, and sand. So, it's it's all yeah. sorts of craziness. So like to hold a twenty. So that was hard for me to kind of let go of. Mm-hmm. And I had a tough time training on that bike a lot. Yeah. But knowing we have a gravel race next October, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, then I'm going to do Old Man Winter on yeah. that, of course. But I'm going to do a lot more gravel riding because I want to be, I mean, I want to feel good. Yeah, you want to feel good about it. Yeah. Yeah. And so on the heels, so this race, incidentally, um, sold out in five minutes. The official on the website time was that 
all 800 spots in five minutes, which is just bonkers. And I, I, I was, I was sitting, I was training. So open up Friday morning at 7 a.m. Yep. We all had our stuff preloaded on like run sign up and everything. Yeah, I had my my browser open on my phone with the alarm set for five minutes to seven, credit card information saved on the phone. Everything's in there. Like, Your emergency contact was filled. Shirt yeah. size was already filled yeah. out. Yeah, everything was done. And uh, so I, you guys, you were home. I was right? home. I was on the coaching floor. Right. And I have a guy, newer customer who, newer client, jacked up back his first time doing this type of session. I have another guy who is really cultivating a stronger mindset. He came in with a lot of room to grow and he's making some strides, but they both need a lot of support and a watchful eye. Mm -hmm. But hell, it's like 6.59, you know? (laughs) And I'm like looking at my watch and I'm demonstrating (laughs) exercises and then it clicks to seven and I have to demonstrate one more exercise. I'm like, yeah, so this is what you do and you grab the band, you do it 10 times on each arm and then you turn sideways and do it again and... That's it, guys. Hop on the treadmills. Let's go. Go. Seven. <laughs> Emily, watch these guys. Boom. Sit in it. <laughs> Brutal. Oh, dude. But we got uh, in. We got in super excited. Um, and I guess uh, Chamby didn't get in. Right. Um, but he said he's going to come out anyway and just have fun. And I think that trip, we just block out extra days of mountain bike after the fact. And we got another guy coming out because uh, Steven's going to be there. Oh, sick. Because we get to stay at his house. Hell yeah. Got Love it. His house. Love so it. So we get to stay there. And then I signed up for old, I was just in that mindset. And so I signed up for old man winter that very moment. Like I closed that browser and opened another for old man. So I'm, I'm locked and loaded for February 9th as well. Right. So you have a February event and you have an October event. Mm-hmm. So you're fit for 2020. Uh, I dude, And I, um, you know, I find I sat down and I blocked out my calendar, um, for the big events for next year. And so, um, in the calendar is, this is a rare instance. I told myself if this instance played out that I was going to do it. Oh, yes. And so typically Firecracker 50 and Silver Rush 50 are within a couple of days of each other. Usually right. Firecracker's midweek and then Silver Rush is almost always the first Saturday of July. Well, 4th of July is on a Saturday. Leadville's like the, the, the runners, the showrunners at Leadville aren't idiots. So they know that having Silver Rush on the same day as Firecracker would drastically diminish attendance. Yeah, crush it. No well, they're a week apart. So, Saturday son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, looks like uh, re- we, a redemption yeah. ride at Firecracker 50. That's what I wanted to hear. Yeah. No, I'm, I, hey, it is what it is. My heart wasn't in it. And I, it's really hard for me to go do something that I'm just kind of like, I, I signed up because whatever. Like, if there's not a real reason behind it, I, I'm that guy. Whatever. It is what it is. Um, so both laps of fire, which I haven't signed up for yet, but it's on the calendar. Silver Rush to either qualify for Leadville. And if I get in on the lottery, fingers crossed, just to improve corral position. Um, and then Leadville's in the calendar. And... So it's it's starting to take shape. Dude, that's that that's a handful of big events already. I mean, that'll be your biggest race year. It'll be massive. And then also try to go take the overall at Winter Park. I mean, that's a big it's a big year. It's a big year. But your your growth has made that year possible, right? We've, it doesn't feel intimidating. Well, and that's and I we haven't talked about it much on here. We've talked about it outside of here, but you allowing yourself some grace with running and owning the shop and mm-hmm. saying, but I'm also important. Mm-hmm. And it started small, I think, with just 
the consistency on your workouts just recently, right? Like yeah. taking that time. This is my time. Mm-hmm. Um, saying I'm going to do these trips. This is my time. I'm going to book that time. And, you know, when we make those decisions in one area, it does bleed over. So you've booked all these races out. And not once, I'm sure, are you thinking like, well, how am I going to make it all? Well, you just will because this is what's important. It was really liberating to have this year be a really good proof of concept that I could, you know, take the trip to Bentonville, take the trip to Spain, do the do the Breck Epic, and that because we have such a solid group of guys here that the world won't fall apart. And you had a huge year. You're up everywhere. Yeah, massive year. Um, so super thankful for all that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keep coming in, guys. Yeah, yeah. Keep coming. Keep my coming race on. buddy is yeah. still my race buddy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, then you know, I'm just gonna do it because we're here. But you and we'll promise we'll get to this episode's purpose. But, it's uh, been a minute. Like I feel like we we yeah. kind of stayed on track, but it, I also feel like we haven't really hung out and like right. shot the shit. So proud of you, dude, on the embody. Oh, thanks, man. Like a consider for those of you that like a considerable drop, a few percent body fat lumped off. Yeah, and you know, um, I had a number in mind, and it was below the number I had in mind, which means good guys like golf, yeah. like yeah, lower your yeah, percent yeah. Low, body lower fat, percent better. body fat. <laughs> And within a couple of percent of 2017, like best shape I've I've been in numbers. Yeah. So thanks for the thanks for the kind words. I was I was jazzed on it. I felt good about that one. Yeah, no, I was I was jacked. Uh, and there was almost no strictly cardio in there. Right. Like it's all been general conditioning and sticking with the plan. Sticking with the plan, man, and getting us to where we where we need to be. Um, I just did another embody this morning for a guy who's going to be doing an Ironman next year. He's done Ironman in the past, but he's taken a few years off due to injury and, and some like some big injuries, knee, wrists, stuff like that, surgeries. And uh, I'm just going to lose 35 pounds. That's a lot. That's a lot. You know, and, and but your story and like your progression, it's motivating to those people, to anybody who's mm-hmm. like, man, I know I got a lot of work. Well, it's done. Just as much as you got to this bad spot one bite at a time, yeah, right. You get to the good spot two percent at a time, right? You know, and so that's yeah. cool. No, I felt I felt good, you know, to be in this part of the year and have those those numbers pop out. So, um, super excited for that. All right, so what are we going to talk about today? Um, let's talk about performance enhancing drugs and doping and cycling. Okay. Well, I don't know. Just a small topic. Yeah, just a small. I mean, you should see the fucking browser windows I have open. The show notes here are a little massive. Um, I don't know why. I, you know, I think it's the two sports that I follow closely are cycling and MMA. And those two sports, like, you don't really hear about it much in the NFL. You don't really hear it too much in hockey, NBA. Like, I feel like those two sports you hear and maybe it's just because i don't pay as much attention no it's just you okay so there's a lot of stories in all of those sports Mm -hmm. right there's well there's there's trades there's like parody in the in the divisions there's gambling that's a part of it there's fantasy sports like there's a lot of storylines in those major sports and really in those in cycling and mma there's not a lot of storylines even if you're really all the way into it right like Like, there's just not a team swaps yeah yeah, like there's just just not a lot of moving parts right right yeah it's pretty straightforward so um and it's like you know as we've discussed in the past like it really is one individual against another you know 
an NBA team, it's team against team. Yeah. Right. So um, I thought, I think the goal here is to kind of define a little bit what we're talking about when we say doping and what the various kinds are um, and kind of like provide a little background of how crazy and how elaborate doping has been in the cycling. Um, and then also like kind of touch on, you know, as we as athletes get older, how does that temptation affect us? Like, you know, I'm, I just turned 40. The reality is, is that as an endurance athlete, studies have shown that, um, you know, I can continue improving for up to another seven years as an endurance athlete, but recovery, muscle development, and those sort of things start getting difficult. So temptation from that perspective, um, also temptation as an elite level athlete who can't quite crack that, you know, that top spot. Um, and then also, um, where's the line in the sand? You know, we use, I use lots of supplements. I've got a, a protein shake in the, in the fridge. Um, right, I take I, CBD, I, you know, I take I pre- lotion. I put on my legs. Yeah. Like to, you know. where's the line and, and why do we define, you know, something like testosterone replacement therapy as something that's taboo, but like medically it could be totally justified, but you know, something as simple as like CBD or pre-workout is like totally okay. Yeah, exactly. Who, who, who's the final say on that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. And the answer is WADA, but, and that list is. I got the list of prohibited at all times pulled up here on the uh, on the old browser. First of all, can't pronounce a single thing on it. Um, <laughs> you, what, you don't speak science? Jesus, man. If I see like 17 consonants in a row with an E-N at the end, it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, and, the, and, and you're kind of touching on something. How do I know of all of this whole list? Like, I don't know. I bought this because it's a vasodilator. Yeah. I didn't know it also had chicken chicken. Yeah. In yeah. It. Like, yeah. I don't know yeah. what that is. Um, so in cycling, um, there's kind of right now, there's currently kind of uh, three or four really popular types of doping. Some have fallen a little bit out of vogue and some of us will be me showing a little bit of how long I've been around the sport. The most popular, um, at least for a lot of the, the nineties, um, and moving into early 2000s was EPO. I'm not going to try to pronounce it. Look it up. Basically, what it does. Wait, it was so wrong. You pronounce <laughs> it's an acronym. People deal. Yeah. Um, you don't need to know how it's pronounced or what it does um, to to understand that. Basically, it increases the amount of red blood cells in your body um, so that your blood can carry more oxygen. Um, if you can carry more oxygen, you can conceivably go faster on a bike, recover from hard efforts faster, et cetera. Kind of like it thickens up your blood, but in a good way. Yeah. Well, to a point. To a point. Right. right. That's uh, why I'm bringing that up. Uh, steroids, just regular run-of-the-mill steroids. If I can get stronger and recover faster, I can do more work. Um, if I can do more work and recover faster and be stronger, even if I'm not in a steroid cycle while I'm racing, the lingering effects will give me an edge. Uh, blood doping. This one's crazy. Blood doping is um, effectively taking some of your own blood out, staying in the testing pool. And that's a whole other thing as far as like, you know, there's this whole like when you're in competition, you're in a testing pool, they can randomly audit you, et cetera. Um, but basically, you're not taking anything. 
So your blood's clean, but you take blood out of your system, and then before competition, it, you add it back in. So if the normal human body has eight or nine pints of blood, you take a pint out, you reserve it for later, day of competition, you add a pint back in. If you got more blood, you have more blood cells, you can do more work. Fucking crazy. <laughs> um, so cyclists are vampires. Cyclists are psychopaths is what they are. Okay. Um, and then most recently, um, and we'll get into a couple of, of instances, but uh, stimulants and, and things that increase focus. So not just caffeine, but things that, um, you know, for lack of a, a better example, probably like an Adderall kind of right. situation. And this just happened last year. This is like current event. Yeah, this is current. I, I Dude, I was struggling to find examples of doping like the the pre the other types of doping in mountain biking, which I'm kind of excited about. Like, like I was kind of happy that mountain bikers aren't as guilty as these little road weenies. Yeah, it's also in, in you know maybe it's just to be to be fair, road cycling is oftentimes a seconds game. Yeah, and not that mountain bike races aren't divided by seconds, mm-hmm. but uh. Road cycling is like very much like the Formula One or IndyCar style where there's so much this highly optimized, highly right. tuned. Yeah. And there's a little bit more, bigger margin of error. It's more like NASCAR, you know, in that it's more about the rider versus do I have the right team and the right, you know, all that stuff. So road cycling is a bit more right. hoity-toity. Is that an appropriate term? Uh, I, I think it's just, I think there's more money in it, bottom line. Yeah, I mean, sure. like that. And I think money is a lot of times what drives this stuff. When you start seeing bigger purses in MMA, is when you start seeing crazier stuff um, as far as, you know, who's getting popped and who's getting tested and, and what they're willing to do to try to win. Um, so I think based purely on the fact that internationally road cycling carries more dollars, you're going to see more of it there. Yeah. Um, did I miss anything? You're a fitness industry professional. Yeah, no, like I mean, steroids is like the big gamut, right? right. Big, uh, it covers a lot of ground. Yeah. So like, that where does HGH fit in? Well, you know, as much as it's a youth juice, do they are they testified? I I don't know. I mean, I know the NFL. And I mean, I'll forward you this link real quick here, and you can see if you can find it. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't need the list. Um, but no, I mean, this pretty much covers it. And also, as much as you said, there's more money in cycling. There's also a um, there's there's a history and a tradition in these there, these are like the traditional yeah. ways to cheat yeah well also you know if you go back to the early days of the tour de france and any any cycling you know it's it's so funny what used to be considered medicine that today is considered like an illicit really bad drug yeah, yeah. um you know so i feel like a lot of the people that i know within the cycling community here in colorado are kind of new to it whereas you know i've been watching racing since i was 10 years old um and maybe people would be kind of surprised to know that in the early 1900s, professional level cyclists took cocaine. Yeah. So they could do better. Yeah, it's interesting. And I, I remember reading, I, re- I read a book that was the history of the bike racer, not yeah. racing. But mm-hmm. bike, and we talked about it in season one a little bit. But there was a point in time, I believe in the 20s, when they outlawed the use of coffee. Yeah. espresso that you couldn't there was a three-year period of the tour where you couldn't have coffee mm-hmm. um and i think you know there's this experimental phase of like well what is and what can okay? we control yeah. yeah and you know now we sit and think like well duh you probably shouldn't hork lines of cocaine and then go ride a bike <laughs> even though you're gonna be fast as hell and yeah. like have all the balls like yeah. if i do a fat rail of cocaine 
And I shouldn't have said it that way because I just proved <laughs> that I've probably tried it. <laughs> but <laughs> whatever. All right. Here we are. Check out my blog. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do a lot of dumb things and take a lot of chances with yeah. the superhero complex. Right. And it was like, oh, maybe that's not right. Wow, drinking all this coffee kind of feels similar. Maybe that's not right. So there's this process of yeah. just logically what does and doesn't make sense. And there was probably a little rhythm found. But now as our science has evolved and we've gotten tighter with the engineering mm-hmm. and now we can create new things. I mean, the stuff that'll be banned in 10 years isn't even created. We don't even know what it is. Yeah, and no idea. Whoever wants to win is always going to be looking for it. Yeah, and I think that's the, uh, you know, kind of the the crazy thing is that, um, you know, there's stuff. You know, if you if you really do a deep dive into this sort of stuff, um, they're going as far as saying in ten years it'll be genetic. Like they'll be literally redefining your DNA to make you a better athlete in your chosen category, which is completely psychotic. Sounds psychotic, but imagine what it'll look like on TV. Dude, I mean. Yeah, it'd be be super fun to work. All right, McClellan the fifth coming around the yeah. corner at ninety three miles an hour. Well, and I think towards the end of this, we should have we should kind of circle back around and it's just like, you know, it's the athlete's body. If you have a clean testing pool, or if you have a clean, you know, that that age old, like, hey, create a whole nother division for people to do whatever the fuck they want. You know, yeah, that's mean, another discussion. We'll um, talk about that as we get there. So in my lifetime, you know, it's. I've always identified myself as a mountain biker. I've always cared the most about mountain biking. Um, but until recently, there wasn't a lot of coverage on TV. So I grew up watching road cycling intently. Um, even back in the mid-90s, you could find Tour de France coverage. And so the names of, at least when there was a story to be attached to it, um, the two most known dopers... Um, in my lifetime were Marco Pantani and Lance Armstrong. Uh, Marco Pantani, man, to watch that guy go up a climb. And so back in the day, the Tour de France was always a climber's race. And he weighed nothing. He was tiny. Um, I'm trying to look up his uh, his stats. I guess he wasn't that tiny. Uh, he was five foot seven, but he weighed a whopping 126 pounds. Whoa. So basically like the little juniors I was racing yesterday. He's tiny, dude. Um, His nickname was Il Parata. And this in the the mid-90s, racers didn't have to race with a helmet. It wasn't mandatory. And so he always just had like a do-rag on, and he had his little hoop earrings in his left ear, and all 126 pounds of him screaming up various uh, climbs in the tour. I mean, the guy was a total beast. Um and he reigned supreme for a long time before everybody's favorite doper, Lance Armstrong, came along. And, <laughs> you know, there's a lot out on Lance. Like, there's documentaries there out. There's it, crazy. To the point now that, like, he's even in documentaries making fun of himself. You right. know? Yeah, the most dude, he was in, um, what was that? Uh, the spoof one. Yeah, that was hilarious. I can't yeah. think of the name they of it right his, now. They had his, like, face fogged out, and they're interviewing him. And then as the documentary proceeds, like, it's like a mockumentary. Yeah. As it proceeds, the uh, the filtered effect of his smokescreen face becomes less and less until it's just him on the lights. He goes, guys, I, I think I think you can see my face. They're like, no, it's you're good. <laughs> so everybody, stop what you're doing. Go find Tour de Pharmacy. It is hilarious. It is hilarious. But it's he's amazing. Even, you know, his story has become so prevalent and 
and whatnot that yeah. he even can now make fun of himself about it, which is what that mockumentary yeah. is about. He's making fun of himself. Well, and you couldn't have two more different, um, you know, like finished results of kind of sad doping stories. Um, let me get to Marco Pantani died alone in a hotel room. The guy suffered severe depression. There was some sort of, you know, I mean, like the end of his story was tragic. Um, he was found dead in a hotel in Italy. Um, he had a cerebral edema and that and heart failure. Heart failure is commonly linked to EPO. Your blood is so thick that your heart works so hard. And then he also still liked cocaine. Um, so thick blood, cocaine, overtaxed heart. Well, guess what's going to happen? You're going to probably die in a hotel in Italy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's just it. Um, but sad, dude. I mean, super sad. Know. And, you know, it, it was hard for me. I mean, like, um, I think there's a documentary out about Marco Pantani and his life. And I mean, looking at his Wikipedia page, I mean, it's just page after page after page of victories and accolades. The guy was an amazing bike racer. Um but he was participating in the sport in a time where it was just what you did. Like you just took EPO or steroids or all like you just doped. Like that was just how it was. Um, and when Lance was in, it was the same thing, except, you know, he was the ring. He was almost the ringleader. Yeah. It was it, if, for those of you that haven't watched any of these documentaries, super condensed version. Um, hey, this stuff's all available. Hey, it makes you a lot better. Okay, I want to do it. Hey, if I'm going to do it, everyone's going to do it. Yeah. But I don't want to. Tough shit. tough shit. I'm like the tough guy. I'm yeah. the big guy. I'm the best. We're all doing it, period. Yep. And then they just all did it. And that it. wasn't just... I mean, it. it's the most well-known case to to cite Lance Armstrong as the one who was forcing everybody's hand. There was, that was one team. That was one team. There's nine other teams. Yeah. Or what is it? Not nine. How many teams? There's uh, nine guys, 180 riders. There's 20 teams in the Tour de France. They're all doing They're all it. Doing and they it. all have a ringleader, yeah. right? Because it's set up that way. Or a coach that says, hey. But they're all, you know. So the the flip side to dying alone in a, in a hotel in Italy from cocaine poisoning and heart failure is the Lance story, which is, the guy's still like pretty successful. He does this silly podcasting thing. Like he got <laughs> like he has he had a, a a politician on his podcast. Yeah, and, it was uh, Hickenlooper, wasn't it? Well, he did have Hickenlooper, and that's a great episode. But he had another politician on his podcast who, um, you know, they were talking. He goes, "Man, you know, Lance, like I really just want to use my platform to help you like get back on your feet, you know, and help you get <laughs> kind of get past all of this because it feels so bad that you have a stain." On, on your you know on your legacy and then the guy prior to being on the show looked up Lance currently and he's like oh dude you like are you crushing fine. it <laughs> like, you're absolutely and fine he felt so sheepish and stupid but uh, yeah Lance has definitely I mean hell his podcast was called the forward yeah. to tell more stories like his you yeah know? yeah he's he's weathered that storm pretty well um and then most recently um in the mountain biking world um two super prominent um, Enduro World Series riders Jared Graves and Richie Rude race for a local former, team. Former teammates from the Yeti Squad. Richie yeah. Rude is still on the Yeti Squad. Uh, Jared Graves and dude, I feel like such a scumbag even mentioning this shit when with regards to Jared Graves because the dude just got done with a year of treatment for brain cancer. 
Right. But like at the end of the day, he did the thing. Yeah, it is right? what it is. You know, um, we all have sad stories though. Yeah, but that's like a really. No, sad, yeah. I, mean, I hear you. Luckily, you know, big. I'm I'm excited. Jared Graves has uh, consistently been one of my favorite mountain bikers for a lot of years, um, and so I'm, I'm. He just posted recently that he's like cancer free. He announced he's going to be racing next year, but. Him and Richie got um, found guilty and served eight months suspensions for um, drugs that were uh, just to increase focus. Like that was it. It had nothing to do with changing their muscle musculature or their cardiovascular system or anything like that. It literally just, I'm going fast down a hill. I need as much focus as I can. Yeah, I mean, we all saw the movie, dude. Brad Cooper crushed that role. Yeah. Who doesn't want the Limitless The bill? TV show was dope, too. I didn't see it. You should watch it. But then it'd be sad, because there's only like two seasons. network TV? Um, I don't remember. Anyway. Um, I don't watch network TV. But, remember, I trade trucks in instead but, of buying tires. But he's, but he's, Bradley Cooper's in the TV show. Oh. Like, he's got some cameos. Super cool. Um, but, um, but yeah, they just, like, yeah, for, like, it, a... A medicinal version of this fictional drug that just hyper focus, right? Um, and so, I mean, it, it's it's playing out, and I I can't help but wondering if it's going to start playing out more in mountain biking. Well, is mountain biking growing? Absolutely. Is more money going into it? Absolutely. Why did we say the reason for road cycling? There you go. <laughs> okay, so, and uh, there it is. Yeah. Um. So. Before moving on to some other topics, um, the 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 level to which there is like the or the the inc- intricacies of these doping programs are mind blowing. Um, so both Pontani and uh, Lance Armstrong were attached to their own doping scandals. Um, so much so that the one that Pontani was attached to is called uh, Operation Puerto. And it is the code name of a still unfinished Spanish police operation against the pro sports doping network of Dr. Fuentes. It's still open. Pantani's dead. We're 13 years down the road. They're still investigating. It's still open. Um, insert complete waste of any government that's doing this as <laughs> <is> dollars. <laughs> um, but apparently it goes uh, much outside of so this particular, this particular doc, um, it looks like he got into some, uh, some other sports as well. Um, uh, but no one has been officially indicted and it just stays open. Um, and then Lance Armstrong, that dude, you know, I mentioned previously, there's, there's the testing pool. So when you're in competition, the various, so USADA and WADA, so the U S anti-doping agency and the world anti-doping agency have free reign if you're signed into competition, if you're participating in the Grand Tours, if you're participating in, um, you know, if you're an active USC fighter, whatever the case is, they can come and spot test you at any point. You draw blood, they can make you yeah. piss in a cup yeah. at any time. Um, and I think they go, I I wish I had remembered to watch rewatch Icarus before this. But like it gets pretty elaborate, right? Like as far as traveling, avoiding, faking passport stamps, like because they track your whereabouts globally. Yeah. yeah, because there's there's um there are patterns that are very illustrative of 
hey, this person's probably going and doing some bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're cheating because we've caught people cheating and this is what they did. So yeah, they're looking for those patterns. Um, so and then uh, Lance was attached to a, a doc called uh, Michelle for Michelle Ferrari. Is that it? Yeah, Michelle Ferrari. Um, but anyway, both of them. Um, I mean, he's got a lifetime ban. Lance has a lifetime ban from cycling. He can only participate in events that have no real official attachment to any cycling. Um, so he can do Ironman. <laughs> well, for now. For now. Um, um, hmm. But. Uh, well, so, okay. So I, you brought this up. When we talked about doing this episode, you had brought up that some of these protests that are happening just recently because of just that point where people can be tested at any time. Yep. Well, so way back in the, uh, the God, it was the mid nineties, late nineties. There was a team called Mape, and, um, the, I believe it was the French police raided their hotel rooms. And, um, let me see if I can find this here real quick. Um, they basically French police raided their hotel rooms, trying to find them with stuff. Cause a lot of times, um, in some cases, the drugs that they were taking, um, were in competition drugs. Um, Floyd Landis famously was, uh, had his tour de France victory overturned because they said after the fact he tested positive for steroids on one day of the tour. And when they test you, they dist, they do two samples, and there's this idea of like an A sample and a B sample, and they have backup tests. And so yeah. the people testing are doing their best to try to make this as ironclad of a process as possible, though, you know, again, the athletes and their teams, their jobs are trying to wiggle around it. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, there's been some crazy stuff. <laughs> Who cheated in on the Tour de France? Lots of people. you got to love Google. Um but yeah, there were some protests, you know, like, and when I say protests, we don't mean fans, we mean riders. So in this particular instance, the entire Peloton um, in that year's Tour de France for the day after this police raid, all 180 riders refused to race their bikes. They sat down next to their bikes at the start line and said, right or wrong, like they were doing wrong. The police probably did wrong. Nobody was really right. But, like, the police raid was, like, pretty gnarly. And so they staged a sit-in at the start of that stage, and nobody raced that day. So, and this is where I thought you and I would kind of butt heads a little bit when we talk about this. Because I feel like the way you say that, you're kind of supporting the riders in that point where, like, this is kind of bullshit. Like, coming in the middle of the night, and, like, like, dude, like, this is part of... I got to get sleep. I got to get rest. Like, mm-hmm. let the cyclist cycle. Let us do our race, right? Yeah. So I kind of feel like you're on their side a little bit in that regard. I'm more on their side than I am the authorities in that case. Right. They're both wrong. Okay. So I was going to give an example from another sport just to, to show that it's not just cycling. Mm-hmm. Um, we have one of the Denver Broncos working out at the gym. Mm-hmm. Now they're in season right now. So all the workouts he's doing – are details to help keep him healthy primarily. Mm-hmm. So that's what he's doing. And, and, you know, he's not working out in our classes. He's working with Clint individually. And he also works in the off season. He goes down to Florida, trains there, and then comes back. And before he starts his preseason in, in training camp, he works out this as well. I have seen this happen on a couple instances. The guy that does their drug testing, so they outsource that, right? The NFL yeah. does, and they'll have – 
however many hundreds or thousands of people that do it for him. This dude walked in. I'm like, who's this homeless guy coming in the gym? Walked into your gym? Walks into E3. Oh, wow. At at like 2.24 p.m. or something, right? And he walks in, and he looks like Orville Redenbacher, but like a homeless version with a ratty-ass briefcase. And I was like, all right, Rain Man, who are you, and what are you doing in my gym? And I actually went up and kind of muscled up on him because I'm very protective in there. And he was there to to test the Bronco athlete that was working out with us. Wow, that's intense. So the athletes have to log their whereabouts when they're valid for testing, Mm -hmm. and they can test them at any point in time. Yep. And it's just, hey – you're a pro athlete. You're paid to do this job, but these are some like stringent things about the job. Yeah. And so is what it is. And our job is to probably catch you when you least expect it. Now, charging in the middle of the night, are they trying to prove a point? Is like water trying to flex their muscles a little bit, perhaps. But regardless, if you're in the sport and you're subject to the testing, it's not on your terms. No. And their job is to find the wrongdoers. Yeah. And so if I hear that story and I'm thinking like, damn, dude, that's, I was like, juicing bags of blood in my body at 2 a.m. because no one comes in. Fuck, maybe they come in now at like 2 a.m., you know? Yeah. I would do the same thing if I had a 16-year-old daughter. <laughs> I ain't walking into a room at 2 in the afternoon. Just to see. I'm walking at 2 in the morning. All right. What are the hands? Hand check. Yeah. <laughs> and so while that sucks, I also think it's the responsibility of the athletes to be pure. And the more pure you are, the less that that's going to happen. Yeah, and to be clear, you know, this is in the late 90s and early 2000s. This was the worst doping in road cycling ever I mean, was. no one trusted any of the results. Well, and so here's the thing. You know, we look back at Lance, and Lance, it sucks. I feel bad for Lance. Lance definitely won seven Tour de France's. Dude, he won all seven of them. You know he why? He raced everyone else doing the same thing. And that's it. I looked it up, and there's just not a winner for those seven years. Because, and I want to find the, uh, it says, there's a quote that just really kind of summed it up for me. And if this computer would ever work um basically everybody that would have been in contention um so there's no winner for the tour de france from 1999 to 2005 the decision was supported by tour organizers um so many finishing riders behind lance armstrong who was stripped of his titles were banned or uh, and banned for from the sport for life have also been associated with doping offenses. Um, basically, the the takeaway there is that as far as they could go back into the, like, there's years where, like, the year that Floyd Landis got stripped of his title. They just went one back. Basically, right. everybody went up. The guy who wasn't on the podium was in third place, right? And the guy who was in second won. Awesome. Cool. Least, least um, the glorious least, podium yeah, right? ever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But is that why they go five, you think? I have no idea. At least you got the picture. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so the years that Lance won, they couldn't find a clean rider right. to, to bump up. They just like there was nobody. Why don't we just put an asterisk by me? These were the drug years. Now now he Lance was the winner for the so drug years. Lance's own ego is what ended up ultimately fucking him and why the doping agencies made an example of him. Yeah, you know, ultimately, Reader's Digest version. One of his old teammates asked for a job when he kind of reemerged in 2009, and that guy had just come off of a doping allegation. Lance said, "Dude, you're radioactive. I can't have you on my team." That dude got butt hurt because he couldn't get a job and called like I don't know Barbara Walters or something. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> I don't know who you call in that case. Um, 
So if uh, if Lance had just been cool, he probably. But then they really did just make an example out of one guy, despite the fact that two hundred riders were all dirty. Yeah, and you know that's un- unfortunately sometimes when you're the peacock. Yeah, you know that's how it's going to go yeah. down. Yeah, and uh, you know if I got into a fight. If I'm in a fight, I'm going to punch the biggest guy in the room, right? Right. And that's what they did. Yeah. And they knocked his ass out. And you would hope to think now that the sport is clean, but the the deal is there's still all the money and it's still a milliseconds game. I think it's cleaner. It is. Or they're you, using something that you don't know. Right. Right. Or also like things are becoming acceptable. Like we have this bicarb lotion we rub on our legs. Like that, that is a performance enhancer. It is. Absolutely. hundred percent. But it's easily accessible to everybody. Yeah. And I think that's where you get the list of what is and isn't allowed. It's like, well, how accessible is it? Well, like, and, and how dangerous is it? Right. Right? Like, EPO, this shit can kill you. Like, yeah. um, it's it, it got developed for therapeutic medical reasons for people who have a certain type of problem, and then somebody decided, hey, we're going to abuse it. Um, it's not normal for humans to take, you know, horse steroids. Right? Like, there's, I think the line is danger versus not danger, Right. Yeah, and I, I honestly think accessibility is an element of it, right? Sure. Because like HGH, for instance, hasn't shown it hasn't shown a lot of. Da- it's almost the fountain of youth juice mm-hmm. for everybody. Yeah, your hair is better, your joints are better, your sleep is better, right? Your erection just is everything, harder. Just like, all of it. <laughs> like, everything. It's improves. just straight up. Juan Ponce de Leon was looking for the fountain of youth in Florida yeah. Yeah. and didn't find it, and then they got HGH. Bummer, dude, you missed out. Like. Yeah. So, but it's not accessible, right? I mean, Sylvester Stallone can get it. Yeah. Arnold can get it. Yeah. But like, I can't get it easily. Yeah, easily, right. Yeah. So, um, and it, to, to, I think to prove at least, and we're referencing the Tour de France a lot only because everyone while, knows the story. Everybody knows it, right? Yeah. Um, but the overall times since the sport has quote unquote been cleaned up, um, the overall times in the race, um, and so the way Tour de France works, it's a 21-day race. It doesn't matter how many stages you actually went on a given day. It's whoever c- completes the total mileage in the least amount of time. And so um, you could conceivably win the Tour and never win a day. Right, um, which is why also winning a day, for oftentimes for a lot of teams, is like the thing too. Yeah, um, but the overall completion times of the Tour have gotten slower since the early 2000s. So it's so, yeah, and that's equipment's what, got her better. Yeah, training's gotten better. A whole lot of like things that are just kind of a like, not, um, they're very controllable have improved, right. but there's less drugs, so the tour is getting slower. Well, and that's where in season one we talked about this also. But I read Greg LeMond's book, yeah, and that's what that's what crushed him. I yeah. mean, physically. Yeah. I mean. He. You mean it wasn't getting shot? Yeah. I mean, getting <laughs> shot was a bummer. <laughs> But even after getting shot, he got faster, but the Peloton itself was getting so fast that he had to push so hard and redline so hard. Yeah. I mean, he just like freaking damn near exploded. Yeah, inside. and he refused to take drugs. He was one of those guys that despite team leaders telling them, yeah. you know, hey, you have to do this. He said, no, I'm not going to do it. So for a long time, I kind of thought Greg LeMond was a little bit of a whiny bitch, um, but he was at least a whiny bitch with some integrity. So, I mean, and also not for nothing, he did... Because he didn't, because he had the integrity, kind of got like 
almost everything about his life stripped away. He did, man. He got <laughs> like, just... Dude, like he used to have bikes with his name on it. People so, don't buy his bikes more because Lance goes, yo, if you want to make my bikes, you can't make this dude's bikes. Yep. So I mean, Trek <laughs> owned LeMond. Trek was Lance's longtime sponsor. They owned LeMond brand of bikes. And when LeMond started talking mad shit about Lance, Lance was like, yeah, you think so? And crippled, bye bye. Crippled his no company. more LeMond. It sucked too. Those bikes were kind of dope. Um, all right, so that's enough about Tour de France. That's enough about these, you know, all that sort of crazy stuff. Um, you know, my notes here kind of turn to. Um, I guess we kind of covered the why is why don't we think it's as common in in, in mountain biking? Um, do you want to add anything to that? Do you think there's anything to add there? No. Um, but well, like Nino Schurter, like basically cross country mountain biking is. Road cycling. Road cycling. Yeah. Like those guys have, you know, as much money and as much equipment. Like they are the rock stars of the mountain and bike. They're, they're even, they're racing as tight. They are. Yeah. Like, I think, so you're a nerd. Um, okay. I, and, I wear it happily. No, I know. In, in certain categories, I'm a nerd. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about like mountain biking, remember, most of you guys listening to this, right? Are thinking like I don't know. I'm just out with my bros mountain biking. When these dudes are racing XC, because a lot of our people listening to this podcast won't watch the Red Bull Channel and like watch the XC races, right? They're racing impacts on each other's wheels. There's all the road racing tactics and strategies. There's drafting. There's surges. There's breakaways. Yeah, there's, all that stuff yeah. is happening. So when we talk about, well, yeah, I'm thinking. I mean, I ride with all my buddies. I wish a few of them did take drugs to ride with me because they make the whole group ride a bit faster. But uh, it's hard to relate to it if you're not thinking in those terms. And so, you know, the mountain bike, it, like you said, it's going to start to see probably more of this. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm honestly, I'm surprised when you look at kind of the rivalry. So right now, um, I would say the two top tier Vanderpool. Vanderpool, who that guy, what is that guy made out of? I mean, the guy is cyclocross world champ. Um, he absolutely just, anytime he's in a mountain bike race, which is, he just kind of does them every now and again. He, he smashes. So it's the same, it's the same way I felt when a lot of those uh, education first riders started doing some of these bigger events. And so mm -hmm. they did Leadville this year. Yeah. And uh, they hammered. And the one dude, had road pedals on his mountain bike. Yeah. Like these dudes are, are not mountain bikers. So he has yeah. road pedals on his mountain bike and he was hiking up power line in road shoes. Yeah. Like looked like a complete, just nerd. Like, Hey Fred, yeah. what's up? <laughs> you know? And, uh, and yet I didn't see him because he was so far ahead of me. Right. right. Like they still hammer. And there's a thing where if it's once, stupid and it works, how stupid is it? <laughs> right. But once you're super successful in something that, that confidence it goes to all of the sports. Yeah. You take Vanderpool and you're like, hey, dude, let's go play ski ball. He's probably going to be like, yeah, I'm going to fucking crush you. Because yeah. I crush. Yeah, because he's just what got I the confidence. Crush. I yeah, crush. I crush. So. Yeah, but anyway, you know, um, Nino, uh, who is a phenomenal bike handler, and I think that's a big thing too, you know, the, uh, the mountain bike courses are so much more technical that you can't, a road bike race, it is just a lot of, it. it it's a lot about horsepower. Yeah, pedal. You know, but mountain biking is there's a there's a whole package to it. There's and I might piss some people off. I know criteriums are like they they have their own technical challenges in terms of, you know, 
taking a 90 degree corner with 80 people at 35 miles an hour. Like I get that, but I'm going to ignore that for right now to prove my point, um, which is mountain biking is just a little bit like how much is doping going to help you be a better bike rider? Right. It's not. Right. So uh, I, but then, you know, we come back around to that, those Adderall-esque type substances that increase focus. If I can focus on a technical section better and maintain focus and focus on it when I'm on lap seven or eight and I'm redlined. Well, we talk about in mountain biking, we talk more about like flow state than mm -hmm. we do in in road cycling, right? Getting to this flow state. If I can just swallow flow state with like eight ounces of water, yeah, totally. <laughs> sweet, sweet, awesome. You know, I did that on Sunday. I raced the state championship cyclocross Sunday. Yeah, and I made it. I had completely scripted out when I was drinking my coffee. Right, I drank a little nine ounce cup of coffee in the morning mm-hmm. so that I could lose two pounds to get to race weight, <laughs> and then I waited so I could drink another nine ounces of coffee forty minutes, specifically forty minutes prior to the race. So I wouldn't have GI distress, right. but also be like, Tsh! yeah, you know, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I wish I, could. I do it. I guess yeah. we we and that's you know we we'll, all do it. We'll get there. I don't want to cart. I, I I do want to cover mechanical doping because it's kind of hilarious. Um, mechanical doping is hiding a motor in your bike, dude. How has this this happened? Not once. This happened a couple of times. And at a very high level, like yeah. the world championship cyclocross female. Yep. yep. Uh, I'm not, hell? I wrote her name down in the show notes. I decided against butchering this poor girl's name. It but, has a F, an M, a K, a V, and several D's and a lot more S's and H's. Yeah. Um, but there's a Belgian rider um, who top tier, I mean, in contention for world champ at cyclocross, and I think it was 2016. Um, and yeah, they it it was not it it was weird because it ended up not being the bike that she actually raced. It was a bike that was just in the pits. The pit for it, her, yeah, and yeah, her cheap bike just in case she was behind. Yeah, it, fucking crazy. So, but she straight up got caught. They, they hit banned. a motor inside the yeah. frame. Yeah, it was so. E bikes are extremely commonplace at this point, and most of them, it's super obvious. Right. Um, because they're, they're big motors. E-bikes are producing 250 Watts. Um, go do an FTP test and see how much 250 Watts is. So 250 Watts, it's a watts whole nother super it's, fit it's a, human, yeah, it's right? A fit ath- it's a fit athlete Helping pedaling you. hard. Yeah. Um, in addition to your yeah, effort, mediocre right? cause you're an e-biker. Yeah. So like you're mediocre. <laughs> um, <laughs> God damn it. Uh, from Missouri. So, uh, so these motors are, are much smaller, right? Like they're, it's, I wish I'm, I may have to post a picture or a link to a picture in the show notes, but basically um, it's a much smaller motor. It's not producing the same amount of wattage and it can easily be concealed, uh, concealed within the frame. Yeah. Like it does not look like but a, at, an the at the end of the day, these racers we're talking about, it's a difference of. A difference of twenty watts. Yeah, you know their massive. FTPs are so high. What the amount of watts that they're producing, and you know their fourteen hundred watt sprints, you know, but, easily but able to grab an extra twenty is it's it going to make that difference. difference. Yeah, it is. I was racing Sunday, and we were in a mud section, and the bike actually my rear wheel stopped spinning mm-hmm. because there was so much mud sucked up, and I just hammered a pedal stroke because some people heckling me, and they're like, "Oh," and I just hammered a pedal stroke and kept going. 
and they're like, oh shit. Oh, and then I hit the pavement and I lifted up my rear end like while riding, just I kind of jolted it up and tried to slam the mud out, didn't go anywhere. But the last lap coming around, and I am, I was racing against a bunch of juniors. And the only thing I told myself was, I can produce more watts than these little fuckers. Yeah. I'm going to get through the mud. And, uh, <laughs> so, why, I mean, watts are the thing. So, 20 yeah. or 30 watts hitting in your frame. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, it's a huge difference. And then um, the other guy that I'll, I'll mention, and it's 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 hilarious and so unfair. So, there's a, a, a road racer um, by the name of Fabian uh, Cancellara. And the article that I found is titled, The Man, the Myth, the Motor. Oh he never got caught. But for almost his whole career, was accused of having a motor in his bike. And did he like ever like have a come to Jesus? Did he have his Oprah thing? Did he jump on a no. car and say, "I had the motor"? No, it's it's uh, it's it. There's it says. Of course, the writer most commonly associated with mechanical doping is one against whom no tangible evidence has ever been put forward. Um, he retired in 2016, but he was a great racer. He was so fun to watch. Um, but there is a video um, ba- from back in 2010 where he has a crash and he gets up from the crash and picks his bike up and the crank and the rear wheel are moving. So guys, look it up. Fabian Cancellara, just look up, uh, you know, mechanical doping or something like that. The video is mind blowing and you cannot deny like it's not, oh, the wheel's still just spinning. No. You know, the crank's w- moving. It's yeah. actively moving. It's yeah. not like he has a sticky anything. Because yeah. no. sometimes that can happen, right? No, it's What's not that. What's that deal when you have a sticky deal, you push your bike and the pedals are still ro- moving? Uh, fixed gear? No. Oh, like, wait, say again? Like so if, I've had that happen before where I push my bike and my pedals keep oh, going. Oh, just like, like a sticky free hub body? Sticky free hub body, yeah. yeah. Not it, that. It wasn't that. No, and Tour de France bikes get serviced every night. Yeah, they don't have sticky free. They, they don't have sticky anything. Um, so... Um, and then I wonder, like, you know, there was this, this flare up with this Belgian rider and I, th- I want to say that one other lady, um, oh, what's her name? Uh, women's XC racer. I can't think of it right now. Um, uh, Pravat, she got busted for some mechanical doping as well. Um, but I'm wondering now, and it's maybe apples and oranges, but now that we've got much to my chagrin e-bike world championships Mm. that sort of thing do you think the riders who are looking for that advantage are just going to go race this other class or you think they're going to try to cheat it and and stick in their their chosen categories no harley i think that now that they've sanctioned the e-mountain bike world championships i think that all athletes will wake up and say you know what let's just let's just be honest and be true, and let's not cheat. <laughs> You've lost your damn mind. They're gonna cheat, and that's hey, why I'm real, trying to just see the yeah, best in this. I hear you. No, I'm really the, not. I'm just asking questions. It, it's kind of we all. I always circle back to the same thing. If there are any rules, there will be cheating, and so unless you want, you know, WWE cycling, then there will always be cheating, and part of it will be who can cheat the best. And the hardest part, I think, of all of it is that we at home get to be like angels from the couch and be like, I would never do. Yeah. You cheaters. I would never like, I I can't cause I I dig it. Like I will be interested on a personal experience to know what would be the difference between racing way I do now. Yeah. Totally clean. Or I I don't know. I'm going to try a little EPO and see 
what happens because that was the basis of the Icarus deception. Yeah, right? like, he yeah. He wanted to see. He raced the hot he, route. He was a good racer. Okay, he was a good That's racer. That's the thing. He, he was a top route, 10 racer. And then he goes, okay, I'm only ever going to get this high if I did a structured doping plan. Yeah. Could I win this thing? And mm-hmm. that was like the basis. Now the whole movie turned into like a Tom Clancy novel. It did. And it, it was, was super sick. I, that part actually, like I felt, I ended up dozing off through that part. Like yeah. I was super interested in the raw data it's of like. like a dork. I can't, all right. All right. It's like fine. the rest of us liked the whole like <laughs> the drama. story. The story was dumb. Like, um, I have no emotion. I just need facts. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think a lot of us get done with any event that we do. And we all try to give ourselves benefit of the doubt. Right, so Sunday, I, I I got done racing at state, and I got tenth out of twenty three. Mm-hmm. Now I'm pretty happy with that because I didn't race cross this year, and that's not what I really focused on. And so I walked away feeling like, well, I didn't get last. But of the ten people that beat me, okay, eight of them, eight of them have never had sex with a human being before, right? They were all juniors, like just little right. kids. Yeah, just kids. And and like being a thirty six year old and getting beat by little kids, like pissed me all the way off right and then uh, you get done and you know another guy he had a full beard so he was a man got done and he's like disgruntled about it a little bit you know (laughs) and i'm like yeah we just can't make up the watts per kilo these guys are like 120 pounds 115 pounds i'm 185 pounds right i'm working on that so can you give everybody just a a quick watts per kilo explanation it's super straightforward but yeah like what's a good one what's a bad one and what's realistic watts per kilo if you're a super stud and you're winning stuff all the time like you're in the fours it's you're a beast yeah right pros are getting over five if you're if you're an average joe that's pretty dang good like you're better than most of your buddies but you're just you're a rider you're not like training you're probably like two, three, two, four, two, five mm-hmm. watts per kilo on a go out and ride your bike. Yeah. And that's kind of like where you're living, yeah. right? So um, like, I, like we said earlier, everything's about the watts. So when you have somebody who's really strong, but then even more so like they're really small, so they're right. super strong in relationship to their size. Five, seven, 126 pounds, like Marco Pantani. Right, you're like a freaking hamster, yeah. right? Like they say like, you ever see an ant carry a leaf? Yeah. Okay, the ant has a really high watts per kilo, right? <laughs> You ever see like an elephant carry a twig in its mouth? Okay, yeah. that's a really bad watts per kilo, and right. that's really what the boils down right. to. Yeah. So we get beat by these kids, and I'm like, I could be the strongest person on the planet, and I just can't offset size. Like you're not going to make that difference up. <laughs> um, so when you get done, you th- sit there and go, Well, what would I need to do? What would I need to do? And as non pros that don't have access to it, it's easy to point our fingers and be like, That guy's a bad athlete for cheating. What if right. it was? What if it was? Well, and I think that this will be a nice way to kind of tidy up the end of this episode is like, we're talking about pro athletes. We're talking about the best, the the pointiest of the pointy end of the yeah. sphere. The top, I wouldn't even, you know, the, the top 0.1% of athletes in the world probably. And let's scale it all the way down to the two people sitting in this room. And I, I very pointedly wrote, you know, two questions that one is me and one can effectively be you. Right. Like you just bumped into the pro class. So we don't know how that's going to shake out. There's no question you have the dedication and the mindset to win. But what if in practice you're always a spot, two spots off of the podium? You know, I just turned 40. The reality is that medically my testosterone is just going to go down from here. Right. Like there's no questioning it oh well that won't happen no it's gonna fucking happen right i can't get around it 
And so like, you know, glass houses and all that, you know, TRT, testosterone replacement therapy, HGH, like testosterone. If you got money, you can go get TRT all day, every day. I see the commercials every morning <laughs> on Sports Center. Um, New this, Medical Clinic. Let's go. This summer, um, despite the success that I think I enjoyed this year, there was a lot of gaps that I just didn't want to admit were training based. And so I was talking to Rachel Gerlach one day about body metrics and she owns Colorado Nutrition Works yeah. and does like uh it's kind of gross. Like she'll look at your shit, yeah. looks at your blood. Healthy and says, poo, healthy you. It says uh <laughs> hey like what things are not kind of, like where is your gut biome all jacked up? So um and I've known Rachel for a lot of years. Um previous shop she was a customer she found us over here at this shop and um we were talking and you know she's like oh, i mean if you want to come in we can talk da, 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 da. and she's like are you gonna do anything where you would have to pee in a cup afterwards i'm like no chance of that and so even at this level of you know back of the pack race participant up until uh, this 2020 up until 2020 um I was even seeking like, okay, how do I get better? Like, yeah. how do I b go from being a race participant to being whatever? Or how do I move my numbers? Um, and so, you know, it's a real discussion even at this this level. And I even think that it's, I think at this level, uh, at the recreational level to enthusiast level, it's easier to set your staunch beliefs to the wayside because there is no consequence. Right. And I think that's the next question is like, okay, let's say I don't race. Let's say I just want to be a good mountain biker. I want to be the best mountain biker Harley can be, but he doesn't want to race. If it doesn't hurt my health, it's not breaking any laws. And I can afford it. And I can afford it. Where do you land on that? Right. Like I still go to the gym. I still put in the work. I just, my work is better. My workload is better. My recovery is better. My hair is better. You know, like, you know, like, I mean, you got a haircut. I don't know how much better it could get. It looks good right now. Looking fresh. Um, you know, I think that I'm morally obligated to answer a certain way because I've made a career in health and wellness. But if I'm being honest with you, um, I say you're supposed to wake up every day and work to be 1% better. And if there are additional things that you could have as part of your program to let you have the opportunity to do that, then, and you aren't, again, you're not breaking any laws and you're not creating harm to anyone else. Do I think it's unfair that maybe like, and let's just say artificial dude, hey, I'm this like rich, able dude that can afford the time and the money to do this thing that helps me out. And now I'm kicking all my buddy's asses. Is that unfair? I mean, I don't, I don't really think it's unfair. You know, I, 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 it's about you and it's about your own kind of your own threshold for what you can and can't have as part of your life. Right. If I wasn't a, a pro at the game of fitness, meaning I make my career out of it, I'd be very interested in what results I would get using other things. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, when I'm at the tail end of a hundred mile road ride day and I roll past a Burger King, that shit smells really fucking good, <laughs> but I ain't going to eat it. Right. Because for me, I've set like a belief system on a point where I'm like, you just ain't going to eat that charbroiled goodness, move on. And I'm not going to take a, a supplement or something that could put my integrity at risk because I try to use my position 
to positively influence others. And I wouldn't want to, for lack of a better word, cheat to get there. Mm-hmm. If I didn't have that role, if I was, I don't know, anyone else that wasn't worried about their sphere of influence, like if you can afford HGH, I think you should stay on it. Remember, once you stop, you're going to lose all those benefits. Yeah. If you can afford to be on it until the day you put that head in the grave, mm-hmm. then go for it. Go for it. Well, and, you know, HGH is one thing. TRT, like, I mean, there's, it's weird. There are people who absolutely need it. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, there are people that, that but, chemically body, their body's messed up. Right. They need it. But then there's also people who, just like back in the day, when you wanted your weed card, you'd be like, oh, I got chronic pain. Dude, it's like your buddy with Adder. I can't pay attention for shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, so unfortunately, the TRT thing, like, if you get to a point in your life where you just need it, and then it makes you, not only does it compensate for the deficiency in your body, but then it's like, holy shit, it's not just getting me to level, but then it's getting me to comparatively for me, superhuman. Um, you know, like, what do you do there? Like, it's just the way it is. Yeah. I mean, that's, I know two people uh-huh. who are jacked, like jacked, jacked, been mm-hmm. jacked since I ever knew them. And they have uh testosterone they have hormone imbalances and they've yeah. been on hormone therapy since high school mm-hmm. and they're like green giant diesel. Yeah. And they probably wouldn't be there if they didn't have that deficiency that then got them the right medication, yeah. you know? So I think I agree with you. I don't think unless let's say in my sphere of people that I ride with frequently being you, Colin, Ben, Andy Chamberlain, uh, Dan Swanson, like the, you know, let's just say those five people, if all of us did it, I'd be like, whatever. Cause then at the end of a ride, if I smash you or you smash me totally level playing field. Right. Um, but if it's just me and in the case, like let's, let's reference to HGH. I have yeah. more money than whoever right. I can buy the shit. They can't. And then I go and like kick their dick in the dirt on a mountain bike ride. Like I'm going to feel like there's an asterisk next to, next to it. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to be like, yeah, I mean I did, but like it also cost me a thousand dollars this week. Yeah. You are going to say that. Yeah. You know, uh, but it's no different than you got with a buddy who's just getting into the sport or maybe he's not just getting into the sport, but just has inferior equipment. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we got a buddy, Steven's a super strong, super fit dude. Mm-hmm. He's, he's riding a, a, He's got a triple crank on the front of his mountain bike, okay? Hurts my soul. So we go out and ride, and I, yeah, I smash him. But he also has like eight more pounds on his bike than I do. And don't you say the same thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I know. I kicked your ass, dude. But like, dude, I mean, my bike's eight pounds lighter than yours. You know, like, we're going to probably, there's always a a, a difference. Yeah. I think it's a personal thing. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. There is the curiosity of like, man, if I just could do it. I, I can't do it. And you can't do it yeah. because we try to get people in this sport that are beginners and we try to just help encourage along people that are past beginner. And we're asking them like, Hey, what would happen if you took it a little more seriously? Or what happened if you really challenged yourselves? Mm-hmm. And if you're the guy doing that, great. If you're guy doing that and kind of cheating just a little <laughs> bit, just, just a little bit. Yeah. You, you, I think in my opinion, you lose it all. I agree. I agree. Well, that was kind of heavy, but I, I I don't know why I really wanted to do it, but I did. It's out of my system, so we can have more fun podcasts later. I know why you wanted to do it. Because the thing you're most passionate about after, you know, your wife and the things that you're supposed to say. This you've made a career out of this cycling thing. And the thing you're most passionate about, your your favorite thing 
has a huge monkey on its back because of this. Yeah, big time. And I would imagine whether you acknowledge that consciously or not, like you want to clear the name of your favorite thing. Yeah. And so this Unfortunately, is the way to it's do it. still not clear. It's not that it's clear, but hey, like it's not, it's also not hidden. Right. And it's not something that's taboo to talk about. In the late 90s, early 2000s, it was taboo to talk. Like, oh, everybody you, knew it, was, it but it nobody was, said it. Right. And so if you did say something, if you were a whistleblower, then you were like a pariah, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you want to clean the thing that you love. Yeah. Well, it was fun. I had a, this was, it was so funny. I, I didn't know if we, I was going to be able to do justice to the topic. Um, and also, like getting show notes finished up, I felt like I was like cramming for a test. You killed it, dude. <laughs> you killed it. So hopefully, you learned something. And if you did learn something, or if there's a question about something, or if you're like, if you go and watch one of those videos, or look up something we talked about, watch one of the doc- documentaries we mentioned. Shoot us a message on the socials, either Facebook or Instagram, or shoot us a, an email through our website, norideround.com, and let us know what you think, because we hope this stuff is of interest to you. This podcast will always continue to dig in the parts of the sport, in the training, in the culture surrounding what we do with bikes and fitness, and and try to get us all to think a bit more about it, because we love this thing. So hey if you got an idea, shoot us a message. If you read something or learn something, share it with us. We want to hear it. Yeah. Um... Do we want to touch on these last little housekeeping objects we got on the uh let's get these guys on the on the next on the next episode? And here's why, guys. We are rounding out 2020 strong for what's gonna be here to come in through season two. Right. Let's clean that all up at the beginning of the next episode. Okay. What about the uh the uh the 12 races in 12 months thing? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna come come around to that because our next episode will be right before. Okay. Um we'll chat on that on the next episode. Okay. Stay tuned. Cliffhanger. Yep. Thanks for listening, guys. Get the fuck out!